Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. Today's message, Pastor Aaron continues our summer sermon series titled Summer Stories. This week's message is titled How Receptive is Our Heart, from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. I want to welcome you once again. For those that are joining us online, welcome. Thanks for inviting us into your homes. For those that are here in person, we are grateful for the opportunities that we have to worship God together. This morning, we're going to continue in our summer sermon series called Summer Stories. And today, we're going to look at the parable of the sower. So to begin, I'd like to share some very impressive facts about the heart. The heart's a fascinating organ. My wife's a nurse, and she loves the heart and studying it, and she loves the complexities of it, and I've grown to really enjoy the heart, and it's a fascinating organ. And you might be sitting here saying, okay, you just said we're talking about the parable of the sower. Why are you talking about the heart? Just stay with me for a few moments. I think it will become clear. But here are 20 fun facts about the heart. Some of them you may know. Some might be new. I found them very fascinating. The average heart is the size of an adult fist. Your heart will beat 115,000 times a day. Your heart will pump 2,000 gallons of blood every day. There's an electrical system that controls the rhythm of your heart. It's called the cardiac conduction system. The heart can continue beating even when it's disconnected from the body. The first open heart surgery occurred in 1893 and was performed by Dr. Daniel Hale Williams. The first implantable pacemaker was used in 1958. And the youngest person to receive a heart surgery was only a minute old. She had a heart defect that many babies don't survive from, and her surgery was successful, although they say that she'll need a heart transplant at some time later on in her life. Now, a little bit away from the human heart, the fairy fly, which is a kind of wasp, has the smallest heart of any living creature. The American pygmy shrew is the smallest mammal, but it has the fastest heartbeat of any mammal at a whopping 1,200 beats per minute. This one's not too big of a surprise to me. The whale has the largest heart of any mammal. This one I found very interesting. The, hum the giraffe has a lopsided heart with their left ventricle being thicker than the right, and this is because the left side has to get blood all the way up their neck to reach their brain. It makes sense, but that's a fascinating fact. The human heart weighs less than a pound. However, a man's heart is on average two ounces heavier than a woman's. A woman's heart beats slightly faster. The beating sound of your heart is caused by the valves of the heart opening and closing. And it is possible to have a broken heart. It's called broken heart syndrome. It has a medical term as well. And it can have similar symptoms to that of a heart attack. The difference is that a heart attack is caused from heart disease, and broken heart syndrome is caused by a rush of stress hormones from an emotional or physical event. Death from a broken heart or broken heart syndrome is possible, although very rare. And if you were to stretch out your blood vessel systems, it would extend over 60,000 miles. Heart cells stop dividing, which means cancer of the heart is extremely rare. And laughing is good for your heart. It reduces stress and gives a boost to your immune system. Some new facts for you about your heart. So the parable of the sower that we're going to be looking at today is a story about our heart. It's not about the anatomy of our heart. It's more about the spiritual condition and the openness that we have to receive the love of God. What is the state of your heart today? Let's keep asking ourselves that question this morning. What is the state of our heart Today I'm going to begin by reading the parable of the sower. I'm going to be reading the account from Mark, and it's found in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. So you can find that on your device, find it in your Bible, 
or listen to the word of the Lord as I read Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. This morning I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And Mark chapter 4 says this. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered it across his field, some fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell in the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seeds fell among the thorns and grew up and were choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and the others who were gathered around, they asked him what his parables meant. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they'll turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to the others. To others. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come and take it away. The seeds on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by worries of this life and lure of wealth and desires for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The parable of the sower is a story that many of us are familiar with. But to make sure that we're all on the same page, let's define a few terms. The seed in our story is the word of God. Why might have Jesus used the seed to represent the word of God? The seed is full of life. If you want to grow a tree or a plant, you usually begin with a seed. And like a seed that can grow into a great tree, a beautiful flower, or an amazing plant, the word of God is powerful and life-changing and produces great fruit. The sower is the one who shares the word. We have the opportunity to partner with the Spirit of God to take the seed, which is the word of God, to all that Jesus has placed in our lives. Our family, people at work, in our community, in our schools, people in our day-to-day, whomever Jesus brings across our path, we have that opportunity. And the soil is the human heart. The soil is needed for the seed to be planted. And once the seed is planted the soil, in the soil, and as it grow, is, grows and is cared for, we're able to see fruit in us, through us, and all around us. Not all soil, however, is favorable for growing seeds, as Jesus says. In our story, we see four different potential conditions of our heart. And as a result, the word has on those hearts. First, we have the hard heart. And that's found in verse 4 and verse 15. It says this, As he scattered across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Down in 15, he says, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. 
The hard heart is described by the soil on the footpath. It becomes hard ground by the constant walking on it. This is seed that falls on the ground. It just stays on the top. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't germinate. It doesn't form roots or begin to grow. It says that the birds came, and the birds are described as Satan, who comes and devours them. It's not a pretty picture. In Palestine, the farmer's fields were long and narrow. They were divided into little paths that became as hard as pavement from the walking on it, from the animals on it, or from the wheels of the wagons. Any seed that fell on those paths would have bounced or been carried away in the wind. Birds are always looking for easy food. Last summer, we were camping in Cultus Lake, and we went to a nearby farm. And at the farm we were at, there were other farms, and the farms around us had what's called bird bangers. And these are uh, devices that make really loud noises to emulate guns so that the birds don't want to eat the crops. Birds will sweep in whenever there's an easy meal. And there are fewer easier meals than the seeds that land on hard soil and are sitting exposed in the open. What can create a hard heart? Tony Ranke gives a great definition of a hard heart. He says, a hard heart is an obstinate and calloused heart that fails to respond to God or obey him. A hard heart is blind to the precious value of the gospel and refuses to embrace Christ. Most precariously, a hard heart is synonymous synonymous with spiritual ignorance and alienation from God. What are some indications that our heart may be hard or moving in that direction? If we have an insensitivity to what God says, a resistance to his authority in our lives, disobedience to what the Lord is instructing us to do, justification of sin, rejection or of correction by others, preoccupation with worldly things, little interest in spiritual matters, Absence of private devotion, Bible reading, and prayer. Avoidance of gathering to worship with other believers. If any of those describe you, you may need to work on the soil of your heart to help it make it more receptive to God. The good news is that as, we're want, as you're wanting to help and receive that work, God is also pursuing each and every one of us. As James 4 says in verses 7 to 10, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close, to God. come close to God, and God will come close to you. Or as other translations say, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. It seems to me that that's a great antidote for a hard heart. Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and draw near to him. To be honest, the challenge with this is that if you do have a hard heart, you don't always want it to be softened. One of the dilemmas of humanity is that what is good for us is not always what we want. And that's where prayer and fasting come in. If you have friends, family, loved ones who have a hard heart, who aren't receptive to God, prayer and fasting is an opportunity that we have to have engaged in spiritual warfare on their behalf. Now, prayer and fasting doesn't guarantee that we get what we want, but it is an opportunity to wage war on their behalf, praying that God will soften their hearts. The next condition that Jesus addresses is a shallow heart. This is described in verses 5 and 6 and 16 to 17. Here Jesus says, Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. 
Jesus' explanation in 16 says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word. The shallow heart is described by the soil on rocky ground. This is an individual who hears the word of God and responds, however, doesn't establish strong roots in the Lord. In Palestine, in the audience that is receiving this message, the soil lies on a thick layer of limestone. Oftentimes, it experiences shoots coming up quickly, but there's no root system to help that plant grow. No roots means no water, so when the hot sun would come out, the plant would die in the heat. Some of my favorite verses are found in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power, as all people should, to understand how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is what our spiritual multiplication strategy, or EKG, is all about. We need to grow in our understanding and in our relationship with Jesus. We need to grow strong and sturdy roots so that when the challenges of life come, whether it's a loss of a loved one, a loss of job, physical challenges, relational challenges, COVID, persecution, or anything else, we know who we are and we know whose we are. It is only when our roots are strong and deep that we can withstand the challenges of the world and not fall away. As a church, we want to see people come to faith in Jesus. That's the transition in our EKG strategy from exploring to the following stage. The reality, though, it's not good enough just to help people get to the following stage and say they accepted Jesus and that's enough. We need to help them grow, help them learn what it means to be a son and daughter of the Most High, help them become discipled to be fully devoted followers of Jesus who believe passionately in Christ, belong intentionally to the church, and bless generously our community. We want to walk with people to help them become disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The first illustration that Jesus made with the hard hearts, that's a tough situation, to be honest. And as we said, that requires prayer and that requires fasting and the work of the Spirit of God to soften their heart. The illustration of people whose hearts are shallows, that's on all of us. We get to be part of the work in helping people who have joyfully accepted the gospel of Jesus to grow roots so that they can live out their faith in Jesus Christ. I believe there's also a personal responsibility for all of us. We are responsible to be growing individually. We have to take the responsibility for our own spiritual growth so that when hard times come, when persecution comes, and note I said when, not if, that we are able to draw on the strength of our root system and weather the storm. It doesn't mean it'll be easy, but my prayer is that we will be standing at the end. We need to make sure that there's a depth to our relationship with God, and we all have a responsibility to continually grow and foster that relationship. The next soil type that Jesus references is, is the thorny soil, and that strangles out the plant from producing a harvest. Verse 7 and 18 to 19 says, Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Jesus said, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, 
the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so that no fruit is produced. The strangled heart is described by the soil filled with thorns. If you're a gardener or farmer and you love to plant pretty flowers or grow crops, you know that just planting them is not enough. You must also hate weeds. It doesn't matter where you are, soil in soil will always have weeds pop up. They are everywhere. The weeds in our story are the things of the world that keep us from bearing fruit. In a story, a weed can be a good thing. But in our story, weeds are things that keep us from bearing fruit, whether it's work, leisure, or as Jesus says, worries of life, lure of wealth, and the desire for things. I think worry is something that we can all do without. The Bible says, do not worry, pray about everything. It's easier said than done, however an important principle to practice in our lives. The other two things that Jesus mentions, wealth and possessions in themselves, aren't bad. But the lure of wealth, the desire for things, can choke out our ability to be fruitful. Work in itself is not bad. In various capacities, we all work. It's how intentional we are and the motives behind what we do. I have the privilege of working vocationally in a church. It's a great privilege. But even though I'm working in a church... That doesn't mean that just because of my job, I'm going to be fruitful and my motives are right. I need to continually make sure that I'm allowing God to work in me and through me and that my motives are right and that I am bearing fruit. There are many stories, many documentaries where the desire for power and fame in pastors crowded out the obedience that should have been evident in their lives. I need to make sure that I'm obedient and cultivating the soil of my heart so that I can be fruitful for Jesus. No matter what our job is, we all have to make sure that we are allowing our, soul, our heart to be cultivated so that we can be fruitful for Jesus where he's called us to work. As we're talking about the soil which represents the heart, it's a good time to take stock of our lives, to look at the various things, our activities, what we do, and see if any of those are strangling us out. The desire for money and things is an age-old problem, never being satisfied. I know of an individual, don't know him personally, grew up very poor. He made it in the world's eyes. He had his power, he has money, he has fame, all those things. And he continually is worried about finances. And he talks about it very openly. And he says that because I grew up poor, I think I need to have a certain amount of money so that I'll always be okay. He said, I reached that. It wasn't enough. I needed to raise the bar. I reached that. It wasn't enough. I continually raised the bar. And no matter how much money he has, and if we were to look at his life, has more than he needs, he's never satisfied. And his response to that is, he said, that's why billionaires keep working. It's just never enough. One of the many reasons why tithing is good is tithing helps us to reduce the hold money has on us by giving back to God, by recognizing all that we have is from him, The Bible never says that wealth is wrong or bad, but it does give many warnings that wealth can be the cause of sin, primarily through a a shift in focus or selfishness, or can create self-reliance. These thorns ultimately lead to a divided heart. This heart makes movements towards Jesus, but the cares of the world draw it back. There's a constant tug of war going on. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Today, are we being strangled by the weeds and thorns growing up around us? If that is the case, that we need to work on the soil of our heart, pull out those weeds, allowing our heart to become in line with the focus and the priorities that Jesus has for us. 
and begin bearing fruit for the glory of God. Jesus moves on from three challenging soil types to a soil that is fruitful and multiplies. It's called the good soil, verses 8 and 20. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And in verse 20, Jesus says, And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The fruitful heart is ascribed by the soil that is fertile and produces 30, 60, even 100 times which is planted. The seeds are God's word doesn't bounce when they hit the soil. It's not hard. The seed doesn't sprout quickly with no roots and then get baked to death in the sun. The seed is not competing with thorns or worldly desires that strangle the life out of it. With good soil, the seed sinks in, grows roots, and begins to produce a great harvest. The good soil, the heart that is open and receptive and obedient, is an amazing thing. A natural question is how or why did the plants grow and produce fruit? Jesus does not explain it here, but he does allude to it in his description of the plant that withers and the person who falls away. Why do they wither or fall away? He says they have no root. No roots mean there can be no growth. The root is key to growth. No growth means no fruit. Psalm chapter 1 describes the root system of a fruitful believer. And the root is linked to the word of God. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. In order to delight in the word, someone indicates that first we must not be influenced by the world. Don't follow, don't stand or join under its evil influences. If you do, you can hardly expect that your heart will delight in the word. But if we are pursuing holiness, if we desire to pursue the word of God, we will develop a root system. And when we are rooted in the word, these roots will help us supernaturally produce fruit for the glory of God. What we learn in this parable is that the sower, or the seed, even the weather, are not indicative of whether fruit is produced or not. It all comes down to the state of the soil, the state of our heart. We need to ask ourselves, what is the state of our heart today? Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it strangled? Or is it good? What is our attitude towards the word of God? Have we produced any fruit? And I'm not talking 20 years, 10 years, or even five years ago. Are we currently involved in producing fruit? God, in his wisdom, has chosen to use his people and his church that he's building for his glory and honor. We have the high calling of being a part of his kingdom work. Today, let us choose to cultivate the heart that is good soil so that we can continually be transformed to reflect the goodness and glory of our God. Let us also partner with the Spirit of God of being sowers of the seed, bringers of the word to all that God has placed in our lives and on our path. God is at work. Let us choose to partner with him, seeing lives and eternities changed for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the transformational power of the scriptures. 
And Father, I pray that you give all of us a deep passion, spend time in your word, to spend time growing and fostering our relationship with Jesus, building roots that go down deep so that we can be your hands, feet, and voice representing the gospel. Father, we thank you that you choose to work through your people and your church, and we have an opportunity to be sowers, to have taken the word of God to the people that you've placed in our lives. We know that you are the one that do, does the work, and you are pursuing, and that you are, um, you are going ahead of us. And Father, I pray that you will give us a courage, a boldness, that we will share the life-changing impact of Jesus in our lives, and that we will help people grow in understanding of who you are and the love that you have for them. Father, I pray that we'll be a church that's marked by the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of people coming to faith, the fruit of people growing in their relationship, and that we will be salt and light representing the gospel here in North Central Calgary and beyond. Father, you've placed each and every one of us where you want us to be, and I pray that we will see the opportunities around us and that we'll have a boldness to step out in faith representing the gospel of Jesus to where you've called us to live and to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. Our heart has four different potential conditions. It can be hard, shallow, strangled, or good. Today, let us choose to cultivate a heart that is good soil so that we can continually be transformed to reflect the goodness and glory of our God. And also let us partner with the Spirit of God, being sowers of the seed, which is bringers of the word, to everyone that God has placed and brought into our lives. If you're experiencing challenges or hardships and would like prayer for anything going on in your life, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhachurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, church, C-H-U-R-C-H.com. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you to help you experience the love that is available to us all in Christ Jesus. Now these words from Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how high, how long, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.